show number six of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. This is LT, Lena Taylor. And this is JK, Jungle Kitty. And welcome to our podcast. Look, Look at, at his butt! butt. Okay. Okay, we're here. We're here, and we are so happy to be here. We're always happy to be here. But we're especially happy now because we got ourselves in the mood <laughs> by looking at some wonderful screen caps. And I have to tell you, these screen caps are so wonderful of his butt. They are. And his EVE. Mm-hmm. That every time Lena would pop up a new one, I'd be in mid-sentence, and I'd go, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, I think you know. I mean, they like literally knocked me out. It's true. The butt ones are good <sighs> enough, but then he it, this. So this is from Obsession, which we talked about before. I think in the last show, and you'll see them. They're up there at the website at um, lookathisbutt.blogspot.com, and. He was Captain Hardon in that episode. I don't know and what Captain was... Shiny Butt going Cap... up the stairs. I mean, you you can hear like the stripper music. <laughs> well, at least I could. And the weird thing is, we don't know why because, as you pointed out, there was no hot babe in the show. But but there was Nichelle, who's always a hot babe. Nichelle. Yeah. So who knows what was going on? But something there was just a big old heart on there. And you no, know, go go look at the screen caps if you don't believe us. Cause yes, they're there. I, the 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 the. Trouser, the pulling of the trouser in one shot goes all the way down to his knees, yeah. folks. His knees. <sighs> so, oh, okay. So we feel better. We had a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and later we'll have wine. Oh, that's right. Now we're relaxed. Okay. So um, first we want to thank the people who signed up for the mailing list. It's Yay. very nice to know that there are folks out there who just want to know when the next episode's coming out. So thanks and, and keep signing up for them. And thank you for the comments. And I do want to respond to one of the comments that we got at the website. So um, last time when I was, uh, not the last show, but um, when we were talking about books, I was talking a little about this DS9 book that I had read and how I thought it was kind of stupid that they, um, in my view, pretended to kill off a canon character because that's just not the kind of thing that they do in profic novels. So somebody sent us email and um, said, and it's a, a very nice guy named Michael, who said, um, you stated that you didn't think the canon character who perishes in the Dominion part of the story could really be dead, since it violated canon. Actually, probably not so much. The novel you read is part of a series of novels that takes place after the end of DS9, so the character in question can be dead and gone from the series. So he made a really good point, which was that I didn't clarify, or we did not clarify when we were talking about it. Um, I think it's probably okay in terms of the Star Trek universe that a character could be killed because it's after the series are over. But what we were really talking about was not canon, but more pocketbooks um, prescription. They don't let you kill off canon characters when you write these novels. It's just a rule that they have. And, you know, we know people who have come into conflict with this rule because they wanted to write stories where a canon character got killed and they just don't let it happen. No. Nope. Just no. And to me, I don't know, maybe I, I've said this before, but it, it's really sad because some of that early profic, the pocketbook stuff, was so much fun because mm-hmm. it didn't have all those rules. But now, you know, they've decided that that there has to be some sort of consistency mm-hmm. in their world of novels. And I just think it has narrowed it so immensely. Yeah, they just have a lot of rules. You know, even William Shatner, when he's writing those books that he writes, he doesn't get to kill off characters. But no, they, they let him have a lot more leeway than, they do. than real writers. Yeah. 
people who actually write. But but even William Shatner doesn't get to kill off characters. So when when the two of us were struggling our way through some of those Shatner books last year, I think, and there's one book in particular where Spock apparently dies three separate times. I mean, he gets blowed up real good he, in, he in chapter one. He gets blowed up. Something else, I forget, he gets something. I don't even remember. I've blocked that out of my memory at this point. But you know he's not going to die. But the entertaining part of that is Shatner obviously still has some hostility <laughs> from those early years when yeah. Spock got so much more fan mail. So he's killing him, killing him, killing him! Just keep killing him. <gasps> Just feels kill him. better. Kill him, and, kill him and more kill him. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So, anyhow, but thank you. Thank you for the comment, and I'm glad that I got a chance to clarify. And I also um, have a, a follow-up Yay! item for us. It's the topic that will not die, <laughs> which is the Venus Vibrance Ooh. Razor, which we've talked about at least two times before. For those of you just catching up, this is a new razor Gillette has brought out. It's one of their, their Venus line, and I do have one of those, the regular ones. But it's the Vibrance because it's got a little battery in the handle, so it vibrates. Mm. Well, I mean... Obviously, it's a sex toy. You know, let's let's not kid ourselves. But it was mentioned in a magazine I get. Really? And they did not refer to it as a sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, and they didn't even mention the vibrating part. And so we have a new euphemism now. Oh, good. Because it says it's the Venus Vibrance, and it's battery-operated. Uh-huh. But they don't tell you it vibrates. And as you're shaving your legs, it gently exfoliates oh it's an exfoliator wink wink nudge nudge that's interesting yeah hmm. you know exfoliation with a blade <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of clear cutting oh. isn't it i mean <laughs> that just doesn't sound very good to me no that sounds even ouchier than it originally <laughs> did sound to me so okay so it's making its way into mainstream media and it is in your drugstores i've seen it in mine oh my goodness and you know hallelujah we live in a country where i can buy a sex toy at longs <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So we've got uh, just so many things that we need to talk about, but um, what's the first thing we're going to watch? Um, we have several things we're going to watch. One is the clip from the George Lucas salute. Oh, that's right, because he was there. Bill he was, was there. there. And the other, again, it's my, um, for those of you who don't know, but Lena is very familiar with this problem. I am videotaping impaired, and whenever I try to videotape <laughs> things, I manage to get them out of order, which is almost impossible to do, to have the the end of the segment at the beginning of the tape and things like that. Um, it was supposed to, on my TV guide, it was supposed to come on at 1.30 in the morning. It was a show on VH1 called So Awesomely Canadian, <laughs> and it was supposed to feature Bill. And so I set my VCR to start at 1.30 uh -huh. and run for an hour, which is what they said. But when I went to the tape, it's right in the middle of the Bill segment. Oh, so I don't know how much yeah. we missed, but the it's, it's, it's cute and it's fun. So we'll watch that. Um, we're going to watch the the clip for Boston Legal coming yes, up. Yes, that's right. And we had a couple other little Oh, movies. the commercials. The commercials. Yes, some commercials. And I don't even, let's not spoil those. We'll just yeah. tell you about them after so, we've reviewed them. So as you can see, this is pretty much a Bill-centric show. More more than a Star Trek-centric <laughs> show. It's really about Bill this time. That's true because we, we also are then going to watch... Uh, Impulse. Impulse. <laughs> another movie that um, we, we are taping in Paradigm because I didn't know it was on. It just showed up, and so we lost the first 20 minutes. Yeah. But, but that'll be okay. a lot of fun. So, And, and I'm going to warn everybody right now that um, since I don't have my technologies set up to do caps from videos, I have a digital camera that I can <laughs> use to take pictures of the screen in case there's anything that we really need to show you. So. This um, 
we might have to do that. That's going to be like a big nostalgia moment for me because I don't know if I've told you this, but when I was a little girl and the Beatles were first on Ed Sullivan, my whole family, of course, watched this and my sister and I were just like hysterical. My dad took home movies really? of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and wow. I recently saw these and of course the funniest part about it is you can barely see the Beatles oh. at all on this old black and white TV, but there's my sister and I squealing and rolling around and oh, look at his butt yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what we were saying yeah. look at his butt sorry girl even He's though married. they all faced front yeah <laughs> so this will be like a big technical flashback for oh, me it'll be fun that's great okay we're gonna take a break and do a commercial and um, we'll be back really soon hi this is michael stackpole from tsfpn.com we're really excited here because three of our member shows slice of sci-fi radio adventures of dr floyd and the force.net have been nominated for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. These shows racked up nominations in four separate categories, People's Choice, Comedy, Movies, Films, and Top Rated. Because they're our people, and you're our people too, we're hoping they'll be your choice to win these awards. You can show your support for Slice of Sci-Fi, Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, and The Force.net by heading over to www.podcastawards.com and voting for them. You can vote once a day now through July 31st for each show. Please vote early and often. Thanks for helping out. That was so fast. <laughs> we are back. We have just watched two of the, the little clips that we were talking about. The first one was from the um, Lifetime Achievement Film Salute thing that AFI did to George Lucas. And this was on recently. They broadcast it probably like about two weeks ago. And Bill did... He was the opening act. He was. It was a great way to open it. And he he was absolutely wonderful. It was very, very clever because he, he came out on stage and did this bit like he thought he was at a Star Trek convention mm -hmm. and talking about how wonderful the Star Trek conventions were and how glad he was to be there. And, of course, he's getting these laughs. And also the shouts of the audience were great because there's Lucas and Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg all looking like, what the fuck is William Shatner <laughs> doing here? But then he... He pulls this, this piece of paper out of his pocket and starts reading it, Dear Mr. Shatner, we'd like you to open the show. Star Wars! <laughs> and then two Star Wars stormtroopers come on with guns, whatever mm -hmm. they call their guns, and uh, they're like going to take him off, and he says, no, no, I can do Star Wars, I can do Star Wars. And then he, he did his Shatner speaks thing of um, My, my way. way, which was very, very funny, and oh my God, full of so many great Shatner readings like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you <laughs> did it your, your way. <laughs> was wonderful, and the, and and there was even even Shatner and the stormtroopers in a kick line. It was great. It was beautiful. Uh, we'll find a link to it to the clip up there. I'm going to try to do a screen cap of the one shot where the stormtroopers actually picked him up <laughs> and carried him off the stage, which is a pretty amazing feat. You got to yes, yes. in this day and age. Especially so. when you're in plastic stormtrooper yeah, suits. Yeah, but they did. So that was very funny. And as you so wonderfully put it, now you didn't have to watch the rest of the thing. That's right. <laughs> but the other thing was, um, you said this ages ago to me, and it has really stayed with me about he's at this wonderful point in his career. First of all, he's having a real renaissance to his career. And finally, although it, uh, it's interesting at the time when he is, you know, making fun of himself so much is when he finally gets respect. And you were saying now so many of the people he works with 
were fans of his. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they grew up with him. But it was great to see these audience shots of these people like uh, Billy D. Williams and, Smith. And, and Robert Duvall and everything. And they're all just, just laughing and applauding and just, you know, loving him. Yeah. And so that was really fun. Everybody loves Bill. Everybody loves Bill. Except for George Takei and yeah, well, Walter Kane. Who wants to look at his butt? Is there a look at George Takei's <laughs> butt podcast? No. So. <laughs> so the other clip, as I say, we picked it up in the middle, was this thing on VH1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess talking about Canadian VH1 people. I don't know. I don't know what the theme of the show was, but we did get a little bit about Bill and uh, there were some really nice clips, mm-hmm. really great ones. And uh, and there were uh, various people commenting on him, and I think they were all comedians that I'd never heard of. But the one guy was was talking about the part of the Shatner habit is uh, he says things before he says them. <laughs> Meaning he opens his mouth, and and two or three beats later, the words start coming out. And I just remember years ago there was. A thing in TV Guide where they had gone to Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. No, not Kevin Spacey. No? Kevin Spacey is... Um, Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren. It's Kevin, whose name also starts with an S. Oh, no. Oh, God, who does great Shatner impressions. And I apologize. Kevin Pollock. Oh, Kevin Pollock. That's it. It doesn't start with an S, but I was close. <sighs> okay, Kevin Pollock. He does a great Shatner impersonation. And they had gone to him and asked him the secrets to great Shatner impersonations. Mm-hmm. And it was a very funny little article. Mm-hmm. But at one point, he, was, he pointed out that Shatner opens his mouth, and then he says it. And he says, you can tell how important what he's going to say is by how long it <laughs> takes him to, to say the first words. And he's saying, if Shatner is going to announce the end of the world, he needs to open his mouth six months in advance. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. But the other funny thing about Kevin Pollack, so we've really gotten off topic here, is apparently at one point he had lunch with William Shatner. Uh-huh. And did his impression for Shatner. I believe Shatner asked. I mean, I think Pollock probably is cool enough to know you shouldn't go up to people and say, would you like to see my impression yeah. of you? And uh, <laughs> they got into a discussion because Pollock did his impression, and Bill goes, I don't do that. <laughs> yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You do it all the time. No, I don't. <laughs> I just love the idea of dueling really Shatners. Matters. One of them's the real one. <laughs> I don't do that. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. Now, um, the wait, next... wait, wait. Oh, what? I'm sorry. I'm no, the other thing that. we want I'm to so talk sorry. about is they're talking about McGill University. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> With their, um, they have a building named after Bill. It's the student center. It's the William Shatner building because he went to college there. And, uh, and the one guy was saying they should, they should name everything after him. They should change the name of the country to Shatnada, <laughs> which I liked a lot. I think they probably should. So well, I wish we'd seen the whole thing, but it was fun. What did they call the town in Invasion Iowa? Billville? Yeah, they renamed it Billville. Oh, there you go. There so you they go. Named the town after him. It's canon. <laughs> or something. something. Okay, so the next thing, which I'm going to get queued up in a second, but just to give you the, the intro to it, um, where did you find this, anyway, the, the commercials? Oh, I don't was know. Was it on the Shatner board? Oh, I know. No, it wasn't on the Shatner board. They don't know about it on the Shatner oh. board. I'm looking forward to, to love bombing them uh, with yeah. this one. Um, some link I got to God knows how. Okay. Anyway. So, um... JK found these commercials that that Bill did for recently recently for this lawyer in Ohio 
and we're gonna try and get the audio on so you you can hear and I'll put the links in because we have the commercials they're they're in QuickTime format and I have them at the site so you can watch them there but the interesting thing was like the story behind the scene so this is um, from what is this thing called? Clevescene.com. So it's it's this little newsletter about Cleveland. Clevescene. Cleve I like that. Yeah. I was hoping it'd be about cleavage. Sorry. Okay. What's happening in your cleavage? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shatner Shills. So this is a little thing on this online newsletter. I'll put a link to it. It says Shatner Shills. Yes, that was William Shatner. You sh- you saw in a commercial for Sesney Law Offices. Yes, we know it's freaking you out. No, he's not really a Cleveland lawyer. Hudson attorney Tom Sesney recently hired a Boston-area ad agency to find a recognizable spokesperson for his law firm, which means that somewhere in Massachusetts there was a meeting where some tool pitched the idea of having Captain James Tiberius Kirk fish for injury claims in Ohio. <laughs> Luckily, they shot the spots before Shatner won the Golden Globe for Boston Legal and his price and self-respect went up. Now, the 30-second spots are airing on local stations, causing people to do a double-take. After all, we've become used to those Friedman, Damiano, and Smith commercials where lawyers do their own terrible acting. I'm assuming that's some local law firm, because we have the same ones here, and they're just horrible. Yes. Um, People love it, says Sesney. The first day it aired, I was getting calls asking, how did you get Captain Kirk? (laughs) Sesney claims, this is so interesting, Sesney claims to have a whole catalog of new Shatner commercials. None, however, will feature the evil Kirk that we saw in episode 39. No evil Kirk, says Sesney. I don't think he'd approve of that. But couldn't evil Kirk be the guy they're they're suing? Could be. I would love to see good and evil Kirk um, sort of battle it out in the courtroom. I think that would be hilarious. So let's see if we can get the audio for this queued up. And and Bill is dressed up like in one of his Boston legal lawyer suits in the commercial. He looks very serious. He looks very, very lawyerly. All right. Okay, so now you can listen to Bill talk, and we'll laugh while he's talking. <laughs> this is like... Because we're disrespectful. So here's Bill Schilling as, as the author of that little article, so so rightly put it. I want to tell you about a law firm right here in Northeast Ohio. Like a law there. firm that has protected no the rights of accident victims for it says years, on the screen. and that takes it to the insurance company takes head on. Head on. The law offices of Tom Sesney relentlessly pursues the justice <laughs> you deserve. Tell the insurance company. You mean business. Pause. Tell them the law offices of Tom Sesney represents you. Right here in Northeast Ohio. Now, what, right here in Northeast Ohio. Now, they did give us the phone number. I really would love to call Tom Sesney and ask him about this. I think that would be, that would be fun. Of course, my first thought was, oh, we'd have to disguise our voices <laughs> and be like, hello, Tom. And then, even though he doesn't know. No, we are. So J.K. pointed out that that would be a needless redundancy, so we're not going to do that. But it would be fun for us to do funny voices. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, i got to point out a couple things here. One of the, This proves a theory I currently hold about William Shatner. Yeah, is that he'll do anything? <laughs> yes, he'll do anything. But it, what makes my theory interesting <laughs> is the reason I believe he'll do anything. Why? He thinks if he keeps working, uh-huh. he won't die. Oh, that's true. I mean, I really think death is going to show up, you know, knock on his door and say, Bill, it's time. And he's going to say, I, I, I can't. I'm shooting a commercial tomorrow for Tom Sesney. And it's going to be like jury duty where you can get a six-month postponement <laughs> because it's, you know, it's a bad time for you to die. Well, you know, if anybody could cheat death, it would be Shatner. It would, well, <laughs> he yeah. could just talk his way out of it. Especially if death is a computer or a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if Death is that woman from all that jazz, oh, he's never going. Never. He's he, never going. And nobody would die because Death would be too busy <laughs> banging William Shatner. <laughs> well, makes sense to me. That would be the main oh, job benefit God. in being um, Death. <laughs> Now, the other thing I'm thinking is, okay, Bill's won the Golden Globe, so they're right. His price probably has gone up. But I am willing to bet he will continue to shell for things. Uh, you know. And I don't know, what, if we showed up with, what, 20 bucks or something, <laughs> you think we could get him to say, this is William Shatner, look at my butt? You know? Well, you know, the podcast that means business. Oh, my God. Well, you know, we would have to find out when the next con he's going to be at that we could actually go to. Maybe we could try. Maybe he'd do it. Yeah, we could get some fake press c- credentials. Oh, yeah, we could do it. Hmm. We're going to get <laughs> little things that say press to stick in our hats. Right. <laughs> That's official. So if anybody out there has any good ideas about how we could get this done and how to get William Shatner to say, look at my butt, let us, us know. For us. For, for us. us. Just just those words to in a sound clip. our podcast. I'm William Shatner. Look at my butt. And, you know, we will bang his brains out if... if <laughs> If we don't have, if his price is higher than $20, we'll throw in ourselves. That's true. <laughs> all right. So there you go. That's a homework assignment for all of you out there. <laughs> Think about how we can make this happen. <laughs> Do it. Do and it. remember, spelling counts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it's time to watch the movie, isn't I it? I think it must all be right, time. All right. Time for another commercial and time for a movie. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. No, not a real commercial. This is just to tell you that you can find us at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com where you can leave us messages, you can leave us suggestions, or you can send us email. This whole podcast was recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. Now we're good because we're drinking wine. And let me tell you that opening that bottle of wine was the hardest thing I've had to do. (laughs) It was amazing what she had to go through to get this bottle of wine open. But it is nice wine. It's pretty nice wine. And we deserve it. It's true, even though I have a cramp in my hand now. (laughs) I'm trying to get that fucking cork out. (laughs) It was quite an ordeal. (sighs) Okay, so we just watched Impulse. Most of it. Most of it. As I said, it showed up unexpectedly on my TV, and I quickly popped in a tape, but we did miss the first 20 minutes. But That's okay. I don't think it would have made a bit of difference. And actually, I want to preface this whole discussion by saying, I, I was reminded of many years ago towards the end of Laurence Olivier's life mm-hmm. when he would do anything for the money, basically. You know, he called Laurence Olivier and, you know, yes, he would be happy to do your pet food commercial or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of his roles in movies, his performances just got really bizarre and, and utterly campy. And one of the reviewers, and I'm not sure which movie it was, but I think it might have been Boys of Brazil, mm-hmm. said... There is a certain level of bad acting that only a truly great actor is capable of. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that with Impulse, not only William Shatner, but everyone involved, screenwriter, cinematographer, Mm -hmm. uh, sound person, everyone showed how truly, truly uniquely gifted they are because... It takes more than mere no talent to turn out something like it's, this. It's true. So let me read you. So as we're talking, I looked this up on the um, IMDb. 
And here's the plot summary. So the movie, oh, good. <laughs> movie was made in 1974. And here's the description. A paranoid leisure suit wearing con man slash gigolo named Matt Stone seduces lonely women, bilks them of their savings via an investment scam, then kills them. When he begins seeing an attractive widow, her daughter Tina becomes suspicious of his motives. Absolute must viewing for William Shatner fans. Well, this is debatable. Um, it was directed by um, William um, Greffe. I think that's how his name is pronounced. And the genre is um, horror thriller. And this movie was also known as um, uh, Wanna Ride, Wanna Ride, Little Girl, or, and also I Love to Kill, which is a great name. <laughs> A really great name. Um, and his wife at the time was in it in a very, 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 very short role. Well, she might have been in it a little bit more at the beginning. Like maybe we saw her when he checked into the motel because she was playing motel. Oh, that's clerk. true. That's yeah. true because he was supposed to be banging her. Anyway, the reasons to watch this movie, though, are Bill in the mid-70s mm-hmm. with wonderful mid-70s sideburns. Totally. And and very cute boyish haircut that <laughs> that I love. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of dimples. Mm-hmm. And uh white pants. <laughs> so white, 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 white pants, which is very good because this movie was shot by the light of a 60-watt bulb. That's right. So we it's actually It's very hard to tell what's going on and whether it's supposed to be day or night. We took a picture of his butt because that's the name of the show. Look at his butt. Look at his butt. And there has a great, great picture of his butt in the white pants. Yes. he And at the, at the point at which this picture was taken in the film, he is bending over to um, lift the body of the person he's just killed and put it into the car trunk. Yeah. So, okay, remember the 70s, folks? You know, tight, white disco mm-hmm. pants. William Shatner, William Shatner's butt bent over. Yes. Yeah, for like 10, 15 seconds. It was long. And it was longer when we paused it and stared for a long time. <laughs> There are also some, oh my God, some very bad costume choices, <laughs> including one that we, we came up with several similes <laughs> for what it looked like. And uh, I, I think I said it, it looks like the outfit the strong man wears in the space carnival. Right. So he's wearing, so this is Shatner. They're supposed to be at like an amusement park or something. And he's wearing um, a, a horizontally striped tank top. With red and white stripes, I guess. Yeah. And red pants. Yeah. Red, like, velvet pants, <laughs> sort of. Um, so that was interesting. And then there's another scene where he totally looked like a pimp. Because he was oh! wearing a, a white suit with black piping and an electric shirt underneath it, like a paisley electric shirt. And your mother's hat. And a hat that, I swear to God, <laughs> we have pictures of my mother wearing this hat at the swim club. <laughs> It was Etrashi. Remember those late '60s sort of Mary Quant hats? Yeah, yeah, that's what it poofy. was. They're very poofy yeah. hats. Yeah, very poofy hat. Bill in a poofy hat and a pimp suit. Yeah. Um, so other things we noticed in this movie was that they shaved his chest again. Yes, like, but why? oh my god, he looked gorgeous. So there's a bed scene, which yeah. is very nice. Um, deep, deep kissing. Not lots oh. of open mouth kissing, which was very good. Um, let's see. The, the, he has an incredibly filthy line where um, he's at. <laughs> The carnival, not the space carnival, but a <laughs> real carnival. It could have been the space could've carnival. Been. No, I think we're at the zoo, actually, when he's dating this. There were flamingos. Yeah, he's dating this woman. And they're they're getting their lunch, and he says, hold my hot dog. <laughs> and he keeps insisting, no, you hold my hot Hold my hot dog. Hold my hot dog. There's also a great Shatner line reading that we did tape, and we're going to have to play that for yeah, you. Because yeah, Because it was classic. It's like, if you want to learn to talk like William Shatner, you need to study this line reading <laughs> for the next 12 and a half years minimum because uh 
it, it it's all there. It's all happening. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then the cl- one of the climaxes. Well, I guess the movie didn't really have a climax, but one it, of the, ended. it ended. It <laughs> ended. One of the exciting parts of the movie was a car chase. <laughs> yes, but wait, we got to set it up. Uh, <laughs> he goes back to his motel where he's met by a very heavy set Asian man, who threatens him and beats him up a little bit, slaps him around. They have a drink together. And the Asian man's name is Karate Pete, Mm -hmm. which we know because he drives around in a giant Winnebago with a big cloth sign on it that says Karate Pete. Right, so remember, if you're a career criminal, put your name on the side of your vehicle. Yeah, it makes it so much easier Uh for the police. But um, Karate Pete had a a classic line. Matt Stone, Shatner's trying to get rid of him. He says, I've got this real hot little piece of ass coming up here, so why don't you get out of here? And Karate Pete says, oh, Matt, you all the time horny. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. Which is true, but so... Matt sets it up that they're going to meet at 10 o'clock outside the car wash mm-hmm. to go do this robbery to together. To go do a crime, yeah. So Pete shows up in his Winnebago, <laughs> gets out, starts walking around, and as he's walking around from outer space, <laughs> a rope drops down, loops itself around his neck, and starts cranking him up. And there we see Shatner on the roof mm-hmm. with a, a, a winch and a, a pulley <laughs> cranking Pete up, up in the air. I mean, it's just amazing lassoing that he managed yeah. to do there. So then he comes down and taunts Pete and punches mm-hmm. at him while the guy's hanging. And then Pete whips out a knife, cuts himself free. Yeah. And Bill jumps in the car and decides he's going to run Pete over. Right. So Pete cleverly runs into... The car wash. And he hits the button as he's running in. So there's a chase through a car wash. A car chasing a man. Now, you know how fast a car goes through a car wash? <laughs> That's how fast the chase scene is. <laughs> and, and Pete is fighting his way through the scrubbers and the sprayers. And Bill's got the windshield wipers on. <laughs> and they're going really slowly <laughs> through the car wash. But you know what? I think this film probably had a huge impact on young filmmakers. Because if you notice how many films there are where things, at the point where it's supposed to be going really fast, they slow it way <laughs> down. So it was this film that started It was that, the impulse probably. effect. In fact, in in, uh, in film editing school, they talked about the, the impulse, impulse effect. effect. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a Trek thing. Yeah. <laughs> He was all on Corbomites. <laughs> he had to chase him through the car wash. Oh, man. That was, that was really incredible. And and then right after that, of course, is when he kills Pete, and we managed to get that great picture of his butt, so it was worth sitting through the car right. wash. Yeah. So um, everybody dies. Basically. Pretty much. And comes back to life, a lot of them. That's true. They didn't really die. The people you thought were dead. And then the movie ends. The and the, end. the little girl who's really annoying, and I'd say she's probably one of the top three annoying little girls <laughs> in films, and I will tell you who the other two are in a minute, but she was played by the little girl who was, um, who played the little girl on Nanny and the Professor. Mm. So, next time you're playing Six Degrees of William Shatner, there's your connection between Shatner and Juliet Mills. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other two top annoying little girls in film are, of course, the classic Little Mary in The Women. Who, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, she gets booed the minute she shows up in the credits. <laughs> and then the little girl, I think her name is Dakota Fanning in mm-hmm. War of the Worlds. Oh. We were just praying for that kid to die. She was like every annoying kid I've ever seen in a shopping mall. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll save that rant for another time. <sighs> so, um, anything else to say about Impulse? Um, Shatner fans, you should definitely see this one. Oh, yeah. The, the 
the costumes and, and just the general cuteness mm -hmm. of Bill and really some beautiful, beautiful butt shots. Mm -hmm. You know, he wears white pants a lot. And I think part of why he wears white and a lot of people in the show in the movie wear white is because it is so damn dark. They couldn't afford lighting. So, no. yeah, it's, there's that. So I, we also, if you watch it, you should see if you agree with this, but... Um, even though he was married to Marcy Lafferty at the time that they made this movie, we were pretty convinced that he was banging the leading lady in the film. Who looks like a, an airline stewardess. She, and, and so he probably figured, airline stewardess, boom, you know. Yeah. So he has kind of big black lacquered hair. So we're pretty sure he was doing it. And her. the strange thing is this film, they did like a huge close-up of her ass, huge close-up of another woman's ass. Mm -hmm. It was like... We want to look at Bill's butt. Then we did get some lovely butt shots, yeah. so it was okay. Sounds so this good. is kind of a butt-viewing film. So I'd give this two cheeks up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we can cross this one off our list. Um, yes. This, we're getting pretty close to seeing most of the stuff that he's no, done. No, there's a lot more out there. Uh, I, think, I think you We've got to look at that guy's list again of all the stuff we haven't seen. I think you and I together have seen more of what William Shatner has done than, than William, William Shatner, Shatner. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because I bet if you if you asked him for what are his memories of the char car wash chase scene, he would have none. He would just look at you like, what? What? <laughs> what? And then we'd say, Bill, could you please say, look look at my butt into this microphone, please? And then we'll go away and we won't bother you anymore. Mm. You know, it, we could do it that way. You know, the, the implied threat of the insane fan, because that has scared Leonard Nimoy and Gene Roddenberry. That's true. So, uh, Didn't scare Gary Lockwood, though. Nothing scares Gary Lockwood. <laughs> And he doesn't give a shit who knows it. <laughs> Nothing scares him. He's done more chicks than, who is it, William Shatner, Warren Beatty, Leonard Nimoy put together, rolled up in a box and thrown in the water. And he doesn't give a shit who knows it. And he'd beat the crap out of Leonard Nimoy. Really, honest to God, if you ever get the chance to talk to Gary Lockwood and you don't mind losing six or seven hours out of your life, it is an experience to tell your grandchildren about. And I see I have to carry the show alone now because Lena has collapsed and is laughing at herself silly remembering the time we met him at a con. Oh, my God. Oh, that was too funny. <laughs> Everything that you said was true. <laughs> That's why it's so funny. It's funny because, because it's, it's true. true. Well, I think that wraps up our little impulse segment with the segue to Gary Lockwood <laughs> land, which is always a fun place to go. Oh, yes, impulse. Um, when it comes out on DVD, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, and um, oh, wait, one, one other thing to just sum up the unique badness of this film is when I was taping it, I was watching most of it, and then my husband wanted to go out for pie, so I missed the ending. So I did get to see the rest of it finally. Pie. But... <laughs> At one point, I'm in our living room watching this, and he's in another part of the house. And the film is so bad without even watching it, but with just being in the vicinity of this film, just hearing it, he came in and said, what are you watching that's so awful? And he wasn't even looking at it. So, be prepared. And go out for pie. Take a pie break in the middle and wait about six weeks until you watch the rest of it. That helps a lot, too. There you go. Shatner and pie. <laughs> Look at his butt. butt. <laughs> my mother died when I was born. My father raised me. He's wealthy. He's wealthy. Uh, I had the English nanny, the private schools at home a bit. My father retired. He gave up his seat on Wall Street. And he wanted me to go with him, but I, I didn't want to do that. I thought I could do better on my own. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. 
tsfpn.com. talk about here is um, something that if you're a Star Trek fan you might have heard about or maybe not because we didn't hear about this until pretty recently there are a group of Star Trek fans who are based in uh, upstate New York I think oh I, th- I, didn't I think know that. that's where okay. they are yeah okay. and they on their own initiative and with their own money have gotten together to film new episodes of, of TOS the original series with themselves as the main character, so a different actor playing Kirk and one playing Spock and McCoy and everybody else. And they've got two episodes now that you can download at... Um, I thought they had more than that. Well, two are out now. Oh, I mean, okay. that you can actually view. And then we just watched the second one oh. at um, newvoyages.com. And the next one is going to be... They're, they're working on it like they're editing it and putting all the cool special effects in it. And okay. that's going to be out, like it said, winter or fall okay. of this year. Um, and then they have another one after that that's already filmed that they're going to put together. So they do like two a year, I guess. Oh, okay. I, I just thought that, that what you and I watched was more like the fourth or fifth or something. No, so they're... that shows you how uncluded in I am <laughs> to what's going on there. But we did, um, at one point, several weeks ago, several months ago, I don't know, try to watch the first one. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we weren't too impressed. The, the, the special effects, the tech technical yeah. end of it was was much much better than i would have expected but um they were lifting whole scenes and dialogue from tos and yeah. so that was kind of a turn off and um kirk is played by a guy who looks like the elvis impersonator from the space carnival <laughs> which is a, a little annoying and i've decided the subtitle of this is if J.R. R. tolkien had written star trek <laughs> Because Spock is being played by Orlando Bloom. He's in a dark wig, mm-hmm. but Orlando, Orly, I know Orly. it's you. Orly. I know it's you. And the guy playing McCoy is like the worst actor ever. Yeah. He's really bad. But on the plus side, the woman playing Uhura <laughs> looks exactly like the woman who plays Uhura in the Star Trek porn movies, That's which right. I believe are made like in the 80s. 80s, they had to be in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. and we'll talk about those sometime too because we've we've watched those. We're such dedicated Treksters. Yeah, so this episode, we were interested in watching this one in particular because they managed to convince William Wyndham, who played um, Matt Decker in the original Doomsday Machine, Doomsday Machine and Barbara Luna, who played um, Marlena, with whom I share my name. Um, Marlena Moreau in, uh, of course, Mirror Mirror, Fantastic. to be in this episode. And they were in it for, uh, I would say, cameo appearances. Really. No, I would say it was more than cameo. Yeah. And I honestly think that was the be- really the best part of the whole thing. Um, it, it, it's a time travel thing. And I will confess right up front that once time travel involves more than go into the past and come back, I'm lost. Okay, But this was the part where they went into the past and came back. So I was able to follow it this yeah. far. And they got back to our time, the early 21st century, although they said they were heading for the 60s. I didn't, I didn't, really I didn't get that, that. anyway. But they're in the suburbs, you know, they're like on my street. <laughs> and they go up and knock on this door, and Barbara Luna 
answers it. And it was the nicest thing because she was wearing that gorgeous mm -hmm. blue sheer thing or replica of the one she wore in Mirror Mirror. And she put one hand up against mm -hmm. the, the doorway, so she was doing the pose. And she goes, cool. oh, I've been expecting you. And I honestly thought it was going to be, you know, she remembered Kirk or mm -hmm. something. But um, then they, they get in there, and, uh, and she... She gives him this videotape. She shows him a videotape of uh, Matt Decker, who apparently did not die in that doomsday thing, but was thrown through a time portal chrono wormhole thing, um, and ended up back there with her. And he knew he was he was with her many many years, and he knew he was dying. So he made this tape just in case anybody from Starfleet ever showed up. And um, to me, it was very interesting because I've met William Wyndham at a con and and spoken with him, and he's He's a wonderful man, and I was telling Lena beforehand, I get the impression he really enjoys chatting with mm -hmm. the fans. And he is just a big, lovable teddy bear of a man, very easy to talk to. And uh, so I'm watching this, and interestingly enough, I was thinking about Doomsday Machine the other day and thinking, you know, how Matt Decker and that, I mean, a lot of fans hate him because he's mean to Spock. Mm. And, and he, <laughs> you know, and that's like one of my pet peeves. I'll slap Spock any chance I get just because it pisses off certain fans. But, um... He's very, very gruff and, you know, you know, very much in command there. And it was interesting watching this because it was like, it was sort of like the William Wyndham I've met, who, as I say, is a very, very wonderful, kind gentleman. And, but with some of that gruffness thrown in, and you could, you could get the impression mm -hmm. on how all the years had sort of softened him. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a really nice performance. It was, it was good. It was very good. That, that was, like you said, I think that was the best part of it. And then, of course, um, he gives a little uh, gift to Kirk to take back to his son, the guy in Boston Legal. <laughs> <laughs> Will stick up his butt, but, Decker. That's right. <laughs> anyway. But, you know, I, I think... Um, I, I liked this pretty much, except when it got to be the last, like, 15 minutes. And then I think they just, um, their reach exceeded their grasp. And they, yes. they, they just said, let's just pile in as much cool stuff as we can possibly do. So it'll be time travel and more time travel and more enterprises and more people and more in-jokes. And let's just, like, pile that right up to the ceiling. Yeah, it, it, it got too, too much. much. And and the thing is, like I said, their their technical effects are really good, except there they have also gotten carried away with yes. themselves. And they threw in a couple things that were just... So, so one thing, guys, if you ever hear this, stop making the spaceship spin around. Yeah, really when annoying. the spaceships are going to take take off, you know how like when anything in a Roadrunner cartoon or something is about to take off, it sort of backs up and then boom, yeah. the spaceships do that, like they're revving up, and that that's very cartoony. And then you pointed out the, the thing they did with the Doomsday Machine, which again takes it to the level of Disney cartoon yeah, for me. Yeah, it was wiggling. Yeah, it could wiggle its little tail. And move its little head back and forth, and yeah. just, no. Yeah, so that, you know. It was much scarier in the original because it was um, solid, and didn't move and was just inexorable. It just and, and when moved. it did move, it was this huge lumbering yeah, thing. Yeah, because it was giant. Yes, and, and this thing was, was too mobile, yeah, I felt. Yeah, it just wasn't. But it let them do lots of nifty, cool, yeah. spiffy, fast-moving things, you know. But um, that that didn't work for me. But honestly, I, I, I give these guys a lot of credit for what they're doing because until the time travel part got way too complicated for my brain 
and there were a lot of things I was going, well, how, do, how does that work? Can a starship do that? But up until that point, I thought they had a really strong script, yeah, really it was, strong it was story. Yeah. And um, in a way, it's almost like... <laughs> It's you know how Berman has money but no brains. It's like if Berman had brains and creativity, you know, it's it's this sort of thing. It is new voyages, yeah. but it is in the spirit of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can tell that these guys are just huge, huge fans. And one of their associate producers now is Eugene Roddenberry Jr. That's right. He's associated. He's involved, with it. and uh, Dorothy Fontana Wrote is writing a, a script for them or has written right. a script for them. And and so we have heard that the next episode that comes out will have Walter Koenig in it as Chekhov. As Chekhov. And they haven't said how that's going to be explained or whatever, but that's the character he's supposed to play. So Well, I thought they did a pretty cool job of explaining William Wyndham as yeah, Decker. Yeah, I thought that, that was pretty was good. good. And I hope they're not going to overplay that time travel card Yeah, to you get know, the other people in. I, w- I was thinking about that as we were watching it, and um, I think in TOS they, they used the time travel thing a couple of times. There were like two episodes where they did, um, with the Guardian episode being one of them. Right. The the um, Gary Seven episode. The Gary Seven episode, and then wasn't there one more? I just maybe I'm misremembering. I'm such a bad Trekkie, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't think of one right now, right off. Oh, oh, the one where Spock had his girlfriend in the Stone Age. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Okay. So that that one. So they did that some some. Yes. But then on TNG, it was like every other week. <laughs> they were doing a lot of time travel. And I think that that is um time travel episodes. It's an easy way to do something clever in an episode rather mm-hmm. than actually having to to create a problem and have the characters solve it. In, in some really interesting way. It's like, oh, time travel. Well, and the whole point of a time travel episode is to get to the reset button. Yeah. It is a fight to get to the reset button. Yeah. That's what the story is about. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that, that both of us find really annoying, and, and this is especially true in the Trek universe, is that there have been, if you take everything that's happened in TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, blah, 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 as canon, Time has been reset so many times. What is reality? And how do we know that, that that's the reality that's supposed to be? And how do you even know what something is supposed to be? Right, right. It just it doesn't make sense anymore that you could constantly be going back in time and changing things and saying, okay, now everything's fixed. Like, mm-hmm. it's just meaningless. It doesn't right. mean anything. And, yeah, and the, the only way I can sort of reconcile any of that mentally is the whole idea of that there are millions and millions and millions of alternate universes. But in that case, what is the point of trying to alter something yeah. in a timeline? It's happened that way in at least seven other ones, you know. So, um, yeah, that 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 can get really overused. And yeah, I, I think it's just a, it's a plot device that gets used way, way too often in these things. And I'm a little disappointed that they did the second episode of this by using yeah. time travel. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. plot device, you had to use it already. Plus, I don't want to do a super spoiler for anybody, but it had a real ooh moment at it the did. end for me, a yeah. real ooh. So anyway, um, but I, anyway, if the if the guys who are producing this are listening, um, I, want, I want to put in a personal request, please. You've gotten William Wyndham, Barbara Luna, Walter Koenig. Mm-hmm. If you get George Takei, and I'm sure you will, because <laughs> that man, you know, won't, won't let her die. Um, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. But please have someone tell them to shut up. Within the context of the episode, I don't care. Some weenie little ensign can just turn around and say, Oh, 
do shut up. <laughs> and I tell you, I'll send you $10. <laughs> you know, I'll chip in for, you know, a 10-second special effect or something. That would be good. I think I'd enjoy that, too. So, um, <laughs> As would many people. I think so. I think so. All the people who signed that petition. We should go back and see how many people signed that George Decay petition. That's true. We should check on yeah. its progress. Yeah. And yeah. see if it's happening, having any effect on George Decay. Well, the latest things have been him talking about... Um, um, he was in Japan, I believe, recently, and was talking about, um, you know, freedom and, and, and liberty and, and things like that. And uh, and so at least he wasn't on his William Shatner ruined my life bandwagon. <laughs> so maybe we are having an effect, and George is realizing that he occasionally does have some really remarkable and intelligent things to say, mm -hmm. and he is hurting his own campaign by being an ass. Yeah, well, he has intelligent things to say, just not about Star Trek. Or William Shatner. Or William Shatner. Yes. Yeah, so so we'll let you know when the next New Voyages thing comes out. Um, I'm sure it, the buzz will be all around Trekdom. Uh, yes, and, and we will definitely watch that if it, if it has Walter Koenig. But honestly, I do... I do recommend this one, at least yeah. at least the, the beginning of the episode. Like I say, strong story, wonderful performances by um, Barbara Luna and William yeah. Wyndham. A nice little stroll down memory lane there for us. Yeah. So. Oh, and just one more thing before we wrap this up. The guy who was the helmsman, the smirky guy, he yeah. should be killed. Yes, his name is Tyler, and he smirks through the whole thing, and he also looks like an elf. <laughs> so he is one of, um, you know, Spock's friends from the, the forest of Arden or wherever Love they were. Lothlorien, I think Love so. Lothlorien, So, Tyler, you. if I see you on the street, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> I'm serious.